Well, hello everybody. This is your old pal, the Moo Cow, otherwise known as Paul A. Presenza, and we are back for another season of Forgotten Horror Classics. co-host we have joe how are you doing joe i'm doing great outstanding thank you for coming on the show uh those of you who may or may not know joe has joined us on indie film cafe a number of times and i think we may have had you on for maybe one or two what the fuck fridays and a few other things sounds about right i don't remember yeah. i'm not sure <laughs> <clears throat> now for those of you who do not remember <clears throat> forgotten horror classics is a, a show where we concentrate on Older movies that have people have either forgotten about or, in this case, uh, a more uh, contemporary film that just kind of flew under the radar or just people just don't know about. And this time, we are talking about the 2017 German film called Hagazusa, a gothic folk tale. This is a movie that was uh, directed, actually was written and directed by Lucas Feigelfeld, who was actually originally from Austria and is a former photographer. And, uh, you know, originally I got this because this had, I, I was told that this had a very, very much like um, a, a, the witch vibe to it, like the Robert Eggers film that it does, but it goes in its own direction. And, but... If you like sort of bleak, dark, gothy, um, folk horror films, and you don't mind it being something of a slow burn, this is kind of a good one. I mean, it's it's more from a psychological angle. <clears throat> you know, you don't really have the quote-unquote witchcraft part of it that is in The Witch, but there's still a lot of uh, amazing and stunning visuals and a lot of creepy, disturbing stuff. And um, you hadn't heard of this one before, had no, you? No. Mm -mm. All right. So what did you think? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was very much like The Witch because of that, you know, so much of it was just psychological and seeing what isolation does to people and does to their minds. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I loved, um, I also loved how intentionally it was shot, you know, you were talking about him being a former photographer and there were some up close shots of things that were just spectacular. Like her, like were they wooden shoes? Do you think whatever kind of shoes right. she was yeah, wearing when she was walking through the bog looking for her mother and uh, the horse, the close up on the horse's feet walking through the, the snow hoops, right. and, and then even like the scene or the shot of the horse's rear end, like, from the perspective of the guy that's in the sleigh, mm -hmm. you know, it just, there were so many shots that were just, just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That was really, really good. Um, there's a lot of parallels between this and the witch film, although it does not have a uh, Black Phillip, which I know is your favorite character. Well, it's close. It's got some black goats in it. Yeah, I, I and, called him Black Phillip just because. Just and it's I would have done that because it's an exceptionally wonderful film. The problem is it's not forgotten. Everybody pretty much knows about The Witch. They either love it or hate right. it. Uh, I still don't believe those folks who, who actually hate it. But there are definitely... I live with one. <clears throat> there, <Yeah>. are definite, <laughs> there are some definite parallels. The um, tension between paganism and Christianity is definitely a, a theme that both of these have. What did you think about that? Well, I don't even know if it was paganism. It was just kind of like nothingism. I don't know that they really believed in anything particular. They just were two, uh, a mother and a daughter, trying to survive out in a cabin in the woods, you know? Cle and, clearly they were outside of the village and outside of the, right, the right. sort of accepted society, which was Christian and would have been, you know, at that point in, in that area of Europe, Probably wouldn't have been Christian for more than a hundred years, not even. Yeah, and, and it's kind of unclear why they were isolated to begin with, but it was clear that even if they wanted to join the village, they couldn't. Right. You know, right. I mean, like the, the priest invites the daughter once she's an adult, invites her to the church one day just so he can mock her and hand her her mother's skull that right. they've drawn on. You know, like, <laughs> what? So. Yeah, definitely she's an outsider and not welcome. And it's one of those things, it's like, you know, you're not welcome in our church. And by the way, we hate you because you're not part of our church. Well, yeah, how <laughs> cyclical can you get, you're you know? <laughs> damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's that to me is, is kind of interesting is I thought he touches on, and maybe you can talk a little about this too, there's sort of like a misogyny in in superstition and the way that it becomes generational and impacts not only the mother but onto the daughter because the mm -hmm. daughter was just a kid at first. Right. But everybody keeps yelling at her mother, keeps saying, oh, you're this horrible witch, blah, 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 even though we don't necessarily see her doing anything. But she gets tarred with that brush too, mm -hmm. even though she doesn't do anything. Yeah. You well, know? any woman living alone is a witch, basically. You know, if you're living by yourself and you don't have a man supporting you, well, how else do you support yourself? You must be conjuring up some black magic, you know, right? But I think that was common in the Middle Ages and beyond, mm -hmm. you know, to, to just assume any woman living alone was a witch. Right, right. And then while it doesn't come out and say it, the implication is clearly that, you know, Men come along during the middle of the night. They find a woman by herself, and what are they going to do? They're going to rape her. Yeah, have yep. their way with her, and that's where the kid comes from. So she's the child of, of of rape. Her mother probably was the same, and then later on, when she's grown up, and we see her later on, and she's got the baby, like, hey, where'd that come from? Right. Well, right. there you go, and it's mm -hmm. the same cycle repeating over and over and over again. It's like a caste system almost. That you cannot escape once you once you're put into the outside like that. Right. There's no way to get back in. So that's why, to me, even though um, uh, Albram, who's the main character, doesn't start off being a witch or even showing any interest in being a witch, I think that road for her has already been set up, and there's 
almost nothing she can do to avoid it. Right. And I think that's the struggle that's the second half of the film. She doesn't want to go down that road. She doesn't even know how to go down that road. But that's the road she has to end up going down. And the way she goes is a spectacularly bleak and horrible way of dig- mm-hmm. of going. So do you think you can maybe talk a little bit about what happens in the film? Sure. Um, so are you talking about after the well, she's an adult? or The whole thing. Oh, the whole thing. Oh, okay. So much. <clears throat> All right, can. let me see if I can do a summary. <clears throat> so um, the main character's mother dies of the plague, and... Um, then we see, like, cut, the scene cuts, and all of a sudden, she is an adult and has a baby, as we mentioned. Um, and, of course, no sign of a husband or, or any man around. And she's taking care of herself, living in the same house that she grew up in with her mother. Um, the local villagers occasionally stumble across her, or she stumbles across them while she's going to get water or something. <coughs> and um, they treat her horribly, um, there's one scene where uh, another young woman tricks her into thinking that she's her friend, comes to visit her a couple of times, and it's all just a setup so that her husband can rape her. You know, it's like, oh, it's so gross. You know, and she's whispering in her ear the whole time about what a dirty heathen she is, and oh, ugh, it's so This horrible. was after she'd been pretending to <laughs> like her and brought her yeah. an apple. Oh, and... yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just horrible. She chased off the two boys that were teasing her. Mm-hmm. So you're set up. She's being set up to think that she's a friend. Although, I thought it was good that the way that um, she seemed very tentative about accepting the friendship. Yes, yeah. and But then you can see at some point, like when they're sitting and looking at the mountains together, that she's decided to trust her. Uh, I feel so bad. I, know, <laughs> I feel I so bad. And then, so while um, she's being raped... Um, somebody else from the village or some other people from the village go to her house and kill her prize goat, um, who she might have a little bit of a love interest with. That was interesting. But anyway, um, they kill her goat, which is her main livelihood because, you know, she milks her goats and, um, makes cheese and all that kind of stuff. And they left the carcass, but took all the meat out of the inside so that she couldn't even have the meat from her beloved dead animal, but she could see its dead body hanging. It was Mm. pretty horrible. So she decides that she needs to get revenge. And I'm not sure exactly how this worked, but she found a rat in her home and killed it and then let it rot a little bit, took it down to the well where all of the village got its water and she put the rat in there, and then she peed on it. She may have pooped, too. We couldn't tell. We couldn't but, tell, but... Um, it would, but but she know. defecated at, or urinated or both in the water supply. <clears throat> and a few days later, the church bell is ringing, and she walks down to the church to see them burning all the bodies, all these bodies of the villagers. So did she just introduce plague into the water, or was it E. coli from her poo, or did she somehow cast a spell? I don't know. You know, it's pretty ambiguous. Um, she was talking to her dead mother's skull before she did it, so as you do, yeah, as you do, and and it was talking back. And it was like as they do, whispering and right? creepy yeah. tones. Yes, it was with and, flickering <clears throat> lights in the background, yeah, and yeah. there's this there's this deep resonating cello that kind of in the background <laughs> is yeah. like there, and mm-hmm. it's like oh my god, very earthy and. And, and melatonin. Yeah. So so she gets her revenge 
but then she kind of messes up. She goes back. She's going back home with her baby. And she sits down to take a little break. And I don't know if she's thinking about what's just happened or what. But then she looks over and there are these mushrooms next to her. And she says, hmm, I think I'm just going to eat one of these. Just one little piece. I mean, does she know that this is a hallucinogen? And, well, and it's growing out of the dead skull of some <coughs> animal. So there's there's a group of oh. mushrooms there. Yeah. I didn't actually thing. notice that. I noticed yeah, 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 the maggots yeah. in there. And I was like, maggots mm. don't normally like mushrooms, do they? But, okay, that makes sense. And I didn't notice the skull. But anyway, she decides to eat one of these mushrooms. And it's clearly... Um, like uh, she's tripping, you know. Oh, and, she trips balls. Yes, and um, and so she just kind of wanders around the woods for a while, and you know, and everything's like she's just touching <clears throat> everything. You don't see through her eyes or anything, so you can't really tell how messed up she is. But um, she starts touching everything and feeling it, like wow, this looks really cool, you know. So it looks like she's having a pretty good time. <clears throat> and then she pulls up the hem of her dress and there's maggots all over her foot, which obviously aren't really there. And so that's when the trip starts going bad, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then she wades into this pond. Oh, God, that, if you can call it that. Covered with like, I guess I call it duckweed. I don't know what you call that. Pond scum. It's pond scum. Whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> it was the filthiest, filthiest uh, pond I've ever seen. Yeah. Surrounded by mud. Yeah. And she... She walks partway into that, and then the baby starts crying. She looks down at the baby, and you can hear what she's hearing now. And it doesn't sound just like a baby cry. It's like some kind of monster almost. And um, so she drowns it. I mean, of course she does, right? Because she's high as shit and, and thinks that she's got this monster, right? And so she drowns the baby, hallucinates like crazy under the water, sees her dead mother, you know, all the things. And um, there's a very nice arty hallucination that she has that I can't even describe. It, yeah, it's like she's seeing roots <clears throat> from different plants and they all of a sudden become veins. And then all of a sudden the veins are gushing blood. And yeah. then all the blood and the veins and stuff sort of solidifies into some kind of mass, some kind of like cell It almost mass. looks like it's uh, it's trying to be a fetus of some kind. I right. don't know. It's interesting. Like a life-death cyclical sort of Something thing. crazy. But anyway, she comes out of the water. And at that point, I thought she wasn't high anymore. But she makes it back to the cabin. And she sleeps a little bit. Um, and then when she wakes up, she's looking around and she's like, where's the baby, I guess. Or, or maybe she just sees the bundle over there because she is, I guess, at this point still high. Um, and she looks at it and it's dead, obviously. And, um, then she cooks it and eats it. She's obviously still high. I mean, for a while you thought maybe cause she like took care of herself and like cleaned herself up and did her hair back in the nice braid and everything. And I thought, okay, she must not be high anymore. No, she definitely was because she cooked and ate her own baby. Yeah. And then you finally get to see through her eyes at this point. You know, she, she goes down by the fire. She's screaming and vomiting at the same time, which my God, that must've been hard. But that, that's like one of the best scenes representing, um, just absolute horror and grief and despair and just, I mean, just screaming through your own vomit. My goodness, it was and amazing. There's like weird flashes. She's seeing shit in, in the <clears throat> shadows. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. <clears throat> the walls are like pulsing and gl glowing green. Uh, it, the, but this is the first time you actually really look through her eyes and see mm -hmm. how high she is. And um, then she runs out of the cabin and falls down on top of a hill. And then her cabin catches on fire at the end. I don't know if she died or not. I kind of am assuming because her eyes had like this weird film over them that didn't... Like cataracts or something. Yeah, it didn't look like she was just high. I think yeah, she ate like, something that was also toxic. I don't think yeah, it was just... Yeah, and it's, it's like she has transformed back into her mother who, you know, by the time she uh, died was pretty much a crone at this point. You know, and she... Because um, we, didn't, we didn't talk about that part of the film. You know, she... Um, she all of a sudden gets this plague thing and she was just, you know, going through the woods with a bundle of sticks and so was her daughter. And, you know, I noticed they passed a few people. Nobody said anything to her except this one guy <clears throat> was all bent over and they were the only ones who had talked, mm -hmm. talked to them. And, um, they, uh, yeah. So there, you could tell they were already outsiders and they were already having a tough life. And then um, she gets sick, and then the the doctors and well, of what passed for a doctor that in those days, yeah. and the nurse come in that that sled scene, that really right. fun sled scene with the horses who that you were talking about, and his butt, right? <clears throat> and they they go in and they check her out. They check out the mother. Don't talk to the kid at all because you know yeah. just a kid, right? But you can see these horrible raised and very very full black boobos yep. under her arm and on her back. back. Oh. oh, it was gross. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you pretty much know at that point... It's that, plague. Yeah. yeah, not not good. But Auburn does the best she can because it's her mom, and mm -hmm. what is she going to do? She doesn't have a father. She doesn't have anybody else. And she's, what, all of 10, maybe? Something like that. Not even? So she does the best she could. She tries to, to wash her mom, tries to feed her. Tries to keep her okay, but clearly it's not going well. And then one night, you know, when the mother is, has all these horrible fever things going on. And for a second, you think she might be okay. And yeah. she, she calls for her daughter to come over and sleep with her. <coughs> and um, I guess there was just before that, we noticed that uh, she had found blood on her on her sheet. And didn't, mm -hmm. want to, didn't really know exactly what that meant or what what to do so she sort of takes the bundle of uh sheets and throws it into the little cupboard little mm -hmm. chest hiding them it doesn't say anything but when her mom gets her in the bed she's clearly tripping balls just from fever and right. um she starts smelling her and i guess she smells the blood yeah i mean mm -hmm. uh, i don't know yeah and then uh, you don't actually see it but you pretty much can tell that she starts uh you know, sticking her thumb into the pie. Yeah, yeah. And then comes out all covered in blood and just does horrible, horrible stuff. So, yeah, wasn't the greatest memory to have of your sick mother? Yeah, it's like the last time I saw mom, yeah. fill in the blank, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> it was so bad. I felt so bad for yeah. her. And then, because she's still feverish and nuts, uh, after uh, poor Alvin gets it the hell away from her, she just runs off into the winter and it's freezing cold and full of snow and then just, I guess, falls asleep overnight and dies. Right. And then they find her in that bog, half in that bog, frozen mm -hmm. and just dead. I think it might be a few months later or something, mm -hmm. though, because if you notice, be. when they go out, there's no snow. 
So I wonder if the mother's body had been there for a month or two or something. Or a few, or maybe a week or something. Something, yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> but yeah, there's no snow anymore, and there's this body, and um, yeah, she just kind of stares at it. And I assume she just left it there, but apparently the villagers must find yeah, it at some they, point because then they take her skull and yeah. decorate it. And even back then, they wouldn't have just allowed a dead body to rot out of mm-hmm. the, the the common areas, most likely. Um, just because for disease alone, you yeah. wouldn't want that. I don't know. It's just because they had any happy, fuzzy feelings for well, them. I'm sure they didn't put her in a consecrated cemetery plot. But again, you notice clearly she was allowed to, uh, continue on her own. Nobody oh. fostered her. She didn't get put <clears throat> somewhere else. They just, they just didn't care. Nobody, yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah. You know, the church is there. You'd think they would do some kind of charity for her. No, nothing. Yeah. Cause she's a kid. You know, like like 10, 12 years old, something like that. She's young. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's horrible that they didn't do anything. because. And part of it, I'm sure, is the superstition. Like, well, if her mom was a witch, she's probably a witch, too. There's no evidence that the mom was even a witch, but, you know, there it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, too, it's handy for societies to have outsiders. Sure. Because as long as you have someone to look down on, you can feel okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see that, you know... In modern society, you sure. know, kids bully other kids. Everybody feels better when they're not at the lowest rung. When there's somebody lower than them, then they feel, you know, a yeah, more that, stable. And that's why you have the tradition of the village idiot, you know, and why they aren't just, you know, killed or just gotten rid of. It's because they actually serve a function in that society. Yeah. You know, and in fact, um, there's some uh, research that said that not only were these idi- village idiots useful in their society they were actually in a way beloved because maybe not necessarily immediately but in a roundabout kind of way because like i like you said they fill a very very important uh role in society you can't think of yourself that badly when you know you're at least better than this guy right right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so you're always going to have those sort of scapegoats in society but at the same time you kind of need them Mm-hmm. You know, you notice that the villagers are always threatening them. They're always saying, we should burn your house down. We should do this. We do. But they never they actually never do. do it. They just want to go and hurt. It's probably like one of the first scenes in the movie <clears throat> is when they get, they'd gone out gathering sticks and stuff and they get back to the cabin at night and these three dudes show up dressed in like animal furs with masks and horns Horn. and all oh, this yeah. stuff. It's like, who's the witch now? Look at you guys. Right, oh my gosh. Right. You look like shamans or something but they're like we should burn your house down we you know empty threads how much do you want to bet that they just all got drunk and dared each other let's go threaten the witch come on let's go harass the witch (laughs) because we can and there's no consequences and she's a woman with a kid by herself there's no man there right so she has a shotgun in there that she could just see them off with right you know it's just her and her goats and there's nothing they can do about it so yeah Let's go kick the lowest person on the rung because we can. But don't actually kill them because, right. you know, we need them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least they implicitly understand that they need that lowest person. Because you know what? If that person's gone, the next person on the rung might be them. And they that's don't want to they don't want to be that person. <clears throat> that's true. So there you go. And that's that's a tough thing. How do you escape that? There's you know, you, it, it's not like you have the mobility of modern society mm-hmm. there. 
There's really nothing you can do. You're born into that society. That's where you stay. It's not like you can just pick up and move and go elsewhere. Even in The Witch, by the time that was like 1610, 1611, I don't remember, you, but you had yeah. more mobility then than you did in the 15th century in um, <coughs> the Alpine Mountains. And where are, you, where are you going to go? There is no... You, if you're lucky, you might find another village 20 miles away. But they don't know you. They're not going to accept you any more than anybody else is. Right, right. I mean, walking out into the wilderness, you know, hoping mm. to stumble upon another town is pretty much a suicide mission. And it's not like they have money, <clears throat> you know, or could read or have Or like jobs. preserved food that they could bring with them in case it takes them like a couple of months to find a place. Right. Yeah, it's... And she had a baby, so she obviously, with that... I kind of wish, though, after she had killed the baby... That she would have come down from her high long enough to realize, hey, I don't have a baby anymore. Maybe I can get the hell out of here. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably she would have died anyway. Yeah, but still, exactly. In the, in the woods. At least she could have tried. In the woods in the winter. <laughs> I mean, where, where does she go? She doesn't know anywhere else. She doesn't even know places that exist like Munich. Yeah, or, or like the capital. They're, they're, there's big cities, but they've never even heard of them. They don't know. It's like you said that one scene where they uh, where the horses come and, the, and they're dragging the sleigh, and you're like, "That's probably the first time she's ever seen a horse." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there is no mobility. There is no knowledge of the outside world. There is no education. There is no money for them. There's really nothing they can do except be in that bottom rung and suffer through it and. There's not, and you know, if you're lucky, maybe you you convert to the new religion and you find some kind of comfort in your misery. But if you don't, then that just makes it even worse, and then people have even more reason to shit on you. Yeah. You know, so yeah, and that's probably one reason why you know these people, though they're miserable, don't get a shredling of charity or help from the church there. Mm-hmm. Because it's not in their interest to help them. You know? Right. Even though the guy keeps talking about how it's his mission to go through and save this community and do everything. While he's not saying it's only for people who are part of the community. And clearly you're not part of the community. You're on the outside edges and that's where we like you. So we're keeping you there. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> the fact that it's a very bleak story is one thing. But... Talk to me a little bit about the imagery and the way that it was shot. Because that was pretty darn amazing. <clears throat> we kept saying over and over, wow, what a view. Every time. <laughs> it got to be comical, though, because, like, something horrible would happen. Like, oh, your goat's dead. Oh, the whole village just died. Oh, you just ate your baby. <laughs> but, like, then they would show the pictures of the mountains, and it was so beautiful. Oh, it was gorgeous. And I was like, worth it. But I know. <laughs> It, it was like a multi-billion dollar view. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Although I will um, quibble a little bit with the part where the the woman whose husband rapes... Um, what, what's the main character's name again? Albrum? Albrum. Albrum. Thank you. Albrum. Um, that woman looks out and says, We do have a really nice little spot here on our mountains, don't we? And like, what other spots have you seen that yeah, you're comparing no. this to? You've not seen any other spots. So, anyway, but yeah, so obviously the scenery is gorgeous. I don't know. Do you know if it was actually shot in the Alpine Mountains? I believe so. Okay. And and, and so there's obviously that to work with, which I suppose any 
half-ass director could make that look beautiful because it's just naturally beautiful. Well, and then we shot we saw it on not only Blu-ray but it was on a, an HD TV, so mm-hmm. the details were just unbelievably yeah. but, gorgeous. But so many of the the um, close-up shots of the things, like things that it, it wasn't just so that you could appreciate them. It, it felt like. Like, there was a need to see some of those things. Like, the need to see her shoes as she's walking through this bog looking for her dead mother. And she's wearing these, you know, wooden shoes. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, here's a medieval peasant, basically, slogging through a bog looking for what she's pretty sure is the body of her dead mom. And now she's going to be alone and she's 10 years old. And, but the close-up on the shoes just, like, drives all that home that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, the little shack that they have, you can see little bits of light poking through the chinks mm-hmm. in between. So mm-hmm. you know when it's cold, there's a cold breeze going through there. They don't have to say it. You can feel that yeah. already. Yeah. You know, all the little details, the fact that when you see their hands, all their fingers are filthy. Oh, the dirt. The dirt under the fingernails. Mm-hmm. Um, while she's milking the goat and you see the clear or clean white milk going over her fingers that are just caked with dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. The, the one guy who is uh, molesting her, he's hairy and filthy. Oh, yeah. And like he, he's putting his hand up her skirt and his hand is just filthy. Mm. And you're, oh, it's get like that the, thing away. The goat is a lot She's going to get an infection. <laughs> yeah, the goat is a lot cleaner. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The goat was a million times nicer than that guy was. Yeah, yeah. And like the, the the scene right before the rape where she's laying in the grass and there are these tiny little yellow flowers around her head and then she's eating the apple and the juice is just running all over her mm-hmm. face, you know, and she's obviously just enjoying this moment so much right before her husband is going to rape this girl and she knows what's coming and she just looks so satisfied. Not only does she know what's coming there, she knows what's going on in, in the rest of the house right, too. Right, right, right. She knows that they've gone to like steal her goats and kill them and oh my God. But she's just got this look of satisfaction on her face. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you don't really know that this is going to happen. It just looks like somebody just blissfully enjoying nature and then it turns so mm-hmm. fast. But... But then when you think back to how blissful she looked, you're like, oh, God. Oh, God, what an ugly, horrible human being. Oh, right. right. And I also love the scene where um, when we first get to meet the the fake friend and she's come down because the priest has asked her to fetch Albram. Mm -hmm. So and of course, that's pretty much the de facto leader of the community. You go when the priest tells you to go. So she goes there and... This is just before he's mocking her and gives the dead skull back. But he's standing there and it's just a complete ossuary. There's Mm -hmm. just bones and skulls everywhere. So this is the community ossuary because they don't have a a graveyard. They're in the mountains. Right. So it's probably way too rocky to dig to plant people. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they have this big, huge church and they have an area that they set aside and that's where they put everybody, and that's why they give he he gives her the skull, which is all that's left. It's his way of saying she doesn't belong here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so get rid right here, take the skull, and they even painted her skull. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
if you don't know what an ossuary is, it's like think of the catacombs in Paris or right. something. Like just right. Google that and look at that image. Um, and it's like that. It's just, you know, a whole row of femurs and then a whole row of vertebrae and a whole row of skulls. Skull, yeah, you know? it's all and human it, skulls. Yeah, they're all stacked up to make almost like a part of the architecture, mm -hmm. you know, but... Um, yeah, but clearly her mother's skull was too good. Not not too good. Sorry. Not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> not good enough for not their bone one wall. Of us. Right. <clears throat> to be part of our goth emo <clears throat> decoration. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, so the the level of detail, I guess, is what I'm saying, is the other thing that mm -hmm. to me reminds me of The Witch. Because and again, another movie that was a, a directorial debut. The level of detail that they put into that, just the making of the little farmstead, how everything was, all the furniture and the lack thereof, was just astounding for us, especially for a first-time director. Somebody went out and researched down to the T exactly what things would look like and what things people would wear at that time. Well, it's the same thing here. Someone went back and did a lot of research, and it pays off. It makes, it, you know, it makes the film grounded in reality which if you're going to do this type of crazy ass psychological folk horror where you're not exactly sure what's what you need to have some kind of grounding in reality or else it just becomes cartoonish so i thought that that was really well done and real smartly done i'm um, wondering <clears throat> if there's a bigger cultural trend that we're starting to see and of course i do not have a, a search engine algorithm that could help me with this if somebody wants to write one for me that would be awesome uh -huh. but um just there there have been some things that have been coming out lately that have been so ridiculously bleak like the witch was one of them this is another this was just before you said yeah and and like or this this movie was just after the witch okay this was just after the witch yeah and um and then I was telling uh, Paul about this book that I read this summer. It was published in 2021. It's called Lapvona. Oh, my God. It was like, I think the New York Times called it the feel-bad read of the summer or something like that. I have to check it and, out. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Like, just like bleak. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And nothing good happens to anybody in this. And a lot of it is people doing it. To each other and to themselves, you know, mm -hmm. and it was just, um, ah, so I feel like I've seen a lot of this kind of stuff and, um, I don't know. I don't know. What does that say about us as a culture right now? Well, the thing about it is, is you know, of course, cinema and all art is a reflection of our society, but folk art or folk horror is definitely having something of a comeback. You know, it was sort of a big thing in the sixties, the wicker man and, and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. But the last Five, six, seven, eight years. It has really, really come back. Um, mm -hmm. The same thing with the uh, oh, the the Lovecraftian Cthulhu kind of stuff. Yeah, They're, yeah. Both of them are kind of parallel tracks. They're not the same, but but there's <clears throat> a lot of overlap, I think, in the way that they're presented uh, stylistically. But yeah, folk horror is definitely coming coming sort of back, and I'm glad. I, I've always loved folk horror. There's something very, very I don't know. Uh, ephemeral about it that connects all of us because we go back long enough into our ancestral history 
it's just touching on the same kind of right. folklore and myths and stories and things that we we all have. Maybe the names and words are different, but the stories are all the same, you know. And, there was another one that I just watched um, a couple of weeks ago called The Apostle. Have you seen that yet? Uh, there's a couple of movies called The Apostle that I know there, of. There, this one was like 2018 or something, but it... Like when it gets reviewed, everybody says it's like the Wicker Man, okay. and oh my God, it was really good. Oh yeah, that's yes, cool. you should check that out. But but it, it has a lot of that element of folk horror in it, well, even though it's more modern. The one that you showed me, the 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 Arthurian one, the Green, the Green Knight. Oh. Yes, there were elements of folk horror in that, if you yeah. ask me. Well, I mean, it is really. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It mm-hmm. is that story. It's yeah. just it, it brought in some modern things but um like mostly techniques i would say but i would say the story it's been 20 years since i've read the original though but i feel like it was following that storyline visually yeah. the way the, the <clears throat> filmmakers made it i think they used a lot of the same tropes and yeah. a lot of the same stylistic choices in folk horror mm. it definitely had a folk horror ish flavor to me which is kind of why i liked it yeah but then they gave it an existentialist twist yes. at the end, which if you haven't seen The Green Knight, go watch it. It's good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. So that was but really anyway. cool. Anyway. And that was also an overlooked film. Um, not a horror film, but so i It say. got a lot of critical acclaim, but I don't think a lot of people actually saw it. And that's a shame. You know, it's like I posted about it on Facebook after we watched it, and there was like one person that was, thumbs up, Green Knight, woo which is pretty much the one other person I know that loves medieval stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. But well. it's not even straight ahead. It's it's very similar in that you're never really quite sure what's real and what's not real. It's trippy. Yeah. And it's very, very trippy. So I guess I could talk a little bit about the folks involved in this. Like I said, the writer and director was Lucas Feigelfeld. He, he is an Austrian um, who uh, does movies in German. He's a former photographer and... This is not only a debut film, but this is actually his um, student student project, his graduate project. Which is amazing. (laughs) That's freaking amazing. So So, so it's a name to follow, basically. Just like Robert Eggers, who I was also blown away by his very first movie. I didn't know The Witch was his first. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. So, wow. Well done, guys. Uh, I'm just, just amazed that there are folks who can do that sort of thing and be able to get the funding for that. But, you know, technology has become the great leveler. The fact that it it doesn't take a lot of money or ability to go out and get high-end HD cameras, Mm -hmm. which really, really helps, especially in this case. So that was good. So that's the writer and director. And, I God, I forget the name of the cinematographer, uh, Mario something. I, I forgot, but he was really good as well. So the two of them together helped present um, just an amazing array of visuals that just really carries the film and carries mm-hmm. it more than you're going to see in a lot of other films. Um, the name Hagazusa is, and it's, um, excuse me, <laughs> means which, but in old high German, which is what the runic letters that you saw oh, okay. introducing each little chapter. Um <clears throat> The, uh, I learned that horn is the same in English and German. That was interesting. That was cool. <laughs> Album was played by Alexandra Quinn, C-W-E-N. I don't think I can pronounce that. She's actually a Polish actress who lived in Vienna and then Germany for a long time. 
started acting in a lot of German TV and German film, did a lot of theater, and clearly has a lot of experience because she puts on a fabulous, yes, fabulous does. performance. Um, you know, I, I just don't know how she did half of what she did. Just crawling in and out of the muck, and I do mean crawling, uh, is just something I don't know that I could do. She deserves whatever the highest award mm. In Germany is, I know we have the Oscars, whatever their equivalent is, just for the the vomit scream scene. <laughs> I mean, seriously. That was rough. Yeah. Put that on a loop and watch it for half well, an hour. <laughs> this this movie did win a number of uh, Cine Europea Awards uh, in 2019. It also won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award in 2020 for mm. Best Foreign Film. It won a whole bunch of German film awards. And it even won the Splat Film Festival 2018 Audience Award. So the audience sort of voted and said, we like this. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people who, who really do like it. Um, let's see. The mother, or Mutter, was played by Claudia Martini. She's another German actress, and she's been in uh, German film since 1987. <coughs> she did a very good job. I would like to give a special shout out to her because the scene once she, or all the scenes after she has the plague and watching her deteriorate, Ugh. she Awful. like her facial expressions. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. Just go back and watch the facial expressions as she's descending further into that plague sickness because she is incredible. And I should probably point this out, too. This is not a movie that's carried by a lot of dialogue. The mm -hmm. dialogue is pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. Most of this movie is visuals and then watching the actors and just looking at their expressions and looking how they go through the life and the world as their characters. Yeah. And because of that, it depends heavily on how good the actors are. And they're all, they're all fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Swinda, who is the quote-unquote friend mm -hmm. is also uh, another uh, German actress. The rape accomplice. Yeah, that's uh, Tanya Petrosky, and she's also been in a lot of different things over in Germany. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of talent over in Europe that most of us, even people like myself, is very much a phenophile. Uh, I I don't know. I don't recognize yeah. them. It just, just goes to show you there's so much out there that we don't get to see. But that's kind of one of the reasons why... This movie flew under the radar, whereas, and maybe not in Europe, but in this country, whereas The Witch, a lot of people know about The Witch. And like I said, there's a lot of people who also don't like it, but at least they know it and they've heard of it. I've talked about Hagazusa before with other folks, and most people are like, the heck's that? You know? Yeah, and I think I actually liked this better than The Witch, um, but it's been a while since I've seen The Witch. But, um, like, the slow burn in this wasn't as hard to sit through as the slow bird and the witch mm -hmm. i don't know i felt a little i don't know i just felt always more engaged with this and i don't know if it was just because it was so beautiful and i'm just like wow look at that wow you know i maybe that was it yeah the visuals were amazing but um but yeah i found this one easier and paul even warned me at the beginning this is a really slow burn and i remembered the witch being a really slow burn and getting maybe a little antsy um, but 
uh, I just this this didn't give me that same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the awesome popcorn and um, cheese nips <laughs> that we had and the tea. I don't know. Maybe. But right. uh, chocolate I, I, pretzels. That's the combination to make any slow burn. Dead baby worth soup. It. I'll serve that next time. Dead baby soup. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll quickly read you the back of the box and let me see what you say about think about this. But it says Austria, fifteenth century. After her mother's mysterious and horrifying demise, goat herder Albrin gradually becomes to, begins to discover an ancient and malevolent presence deep within the remote Austrian Alps. That's probably the time, remember, there are a number of times throughout the film where you hear this voice calling her name out from the woods in the middle of the night. Yeah, I always thought that was in her head, so... But this was all well, before the trip, right? You don't know. You maybe don't know. She, maybe she is hearing something. What is it? Who is saying it? You know? So that's interesting. And then it says, um, so yeah, at a time when pagan beliefs about witchcraft and feminine wickedness spread fear into the minds of rural folk, the traumatized <laughs> Albrum's reality evolves into a walking nightmare, waking nightmare, when she becomes a mother herself. Haunting and stylistically directed by debut filmmaker Lucas Feingelfeld with an unsettling and immersive industrial score by MMMD. And we haven't even touched upon the music yet. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hagazusa is a dark tale of women's struggle with evil and her own sanity that explores the thin line between ancient beliefs, black magic, and delusional psychosis. There's, hey. there's also a deleted scene in there that we didn't see. Oh. That uh, might be a tasty little uh, Easter egg we might have to check out at some point. I haven't it's seen it. It's Albert's father! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the music. <clears throat> the music was very unsettling. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that Deep, resonant cello chord. That is the one thing that stood out. But the other music, too, seemed very sparse, very um, crystalline. The music was only used in a few places, really. It was, like you said, sparse. And... um, there were so many scenes where the soundtrack was the wind howling outside or the baby crying or the goat walking through the grass. Mm-hmm. It, there wasn't music in a lot of the film. And then when it came in, it was like, oh, something really bad's going to happen. Right. It, it, well, <laughs> it, was, it was used like icing as opposed to cake. Right. That's the problem I have with a lot of modern films is right. they use too much music too often, and it just telegraphs what you're supposed to feel. You know what I mean? So That's have not you ever how done that done. trick? Have you seen the YouTube videos where they show you scenes from movies, and then they take the music out, and it's just super boring, like without the music? Have mm-hmm. you ever seen these? You should Google that, but it's really interesting, and especially horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take the music out, it's just not scary anymore, or it's just not even interesting. It's like... Somebody's walking through a door. Okay. Somebody's going up the stairs. Whoop-dee-doo. But this film, most of the scenes don't have music. And you never feel like, God, this is boring. Right. Well, nothing going on here. Right. So, clearly, it's much harder to write a film without a lot of music there, than with a lot of music. And there is good. There is, like everything else, there is an art to being able to balance the music and its use so that it's not clubbing you over the head that was always my biggest problem with someone like steven spielberg is that 
He just, you know, the music is a sledgehammer as opposed to being subtle. And it just grabbed you by the nose and says, now you're supposed to feel this. Now you're supposed to feel that. And but that, I love me some that, John Williams, though. Yeah, oh, come on. Overused, in my opinion. <laughs> All right. We might have to disagree on that. That's, but, that's uh, perfectly <laughs> cool. Perfectly cool. You know what? I'll, I might like it more than you because I don't associate it with the movie as much as being a high schooler playing it in band, you mm-hmm. know, and being like, oh, the Star Wars thing, yay. But in that context, it's gorgeous music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe, maybe heavy-handed in the movie, I could give you that. Mm-hmm. What about, <clears throat> say, in a uh, sort of postmodern feminist kind of perspective? Oh. <laughs> Do you have any things you might want to remark about that, oh. the way women are presented in this, and how authentic you think it was? Or I mean, I just think about how pissed off I get Personally, when I feel like mansplained to or something like that, I'm like, shit, what would I have done if I lived in this, in the 15th century? What, I would have, I, I probably killed people. I, I think, oh, I mean, I can't keep my mouth shut. You'd you know, put a rat, dead rat in their water supply? Yeah, like every day. Every I mean, day. that would have been like a regular, <laughs> on the regular. Yeah. I just don't know. It's either that or I would have become like Albrum and shut my mouth and never said anything and gone and lived in a hut, you know, because I I just can't imagine day in and day out the disrespect and the, the, just the lack of, you know, like even like the acknowledgement that you're a human being, you know, it just, ah. Ah. And for them, it's even worse because they're at the bottom of the social ladder. And right. then poor Album, when she's a kid, she's even the lowest of them all because she doesn't even register to these people. She's just a child of the outsiders yeah. at the bottom. They walk in, look at the mother, realize she's going to die, but they don't even bother to tell the daughter, hey, your mom's dying. You might want to just get they out of here. They don't even acknowledge her existence. They don't even acknowledge that she's there. Yeah. It, just like if you're a, a female child you're worth nothing you right. were absolutely nothing and i just can't even imagine and so i mean you think I, the film captured that pretty oh, well oh yeah oh yeah and i guess that should make me feel grateful for the time period i live in but you know i can't help but sylvia and lopez <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know sure. i mean i just yeah and then you think the only male God. characters in this movie is the dickhead priest yeah and then the, the rapey, dickhead rapey guy. Yeah, the and, grease, greasy raper. Right. And then the only other guy is Sep, the uh, sort of hunchback bearded guy. I didn't even catch his name. Okay, yeah, Sep. On the road, who was like <clears throat> the only one who was half decent and talked to them. Yeah. You know, probably because he was an outsider too. Yeah, he probably lived in another hut in the middle of nowhere right, right, by himself. Right. But he probably wasn't harassed because he was a man. So he was just an eccentric, you know, and they probably just left him alone. I mean, I'm sure the little kids still threw rocks at him because... <laughs> What right. else are you going to do as a little kid? Yeah, probably. But yeah, no, we probably he didn't have to worry about getting his house burned down. Or right, right. Raped. Right. Ugh. But yeah, so trying times. Um, and I thought the movie did a pretty good job of capturing all of that. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very, very well done. And you feel so bad for her. But at the same time, she doesn't just take it. She fights yeah. back. She yeah. fights back in the way that she can. Um, maybe a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, killing half the village, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to say that <clears throat> they didn't deserve it. Gray area. <laughs> yeah, morally gray area. 
But I mean, if you're if you're going to go to the trouble of eating your own dead baby, then uh, maybe you don't have to worry too much about lines and crossing them. Right, because yeah, there's not much more of a line to cross at that, at that point. Right. So you think at that point she was definitely still tripping balls? Oh yeah, because then she looks at the walls and they're pulsating and they're green, and and then she hears her dead mother screaming mm. at her. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she was still tripping then. Yeah, but like everything else, generally when you are in that kind of a situation, whether it's, you know, drugs or alcohol or something, usually it's that part of you inside that you keep locked up that you don't allow to come out that has come out and partied. Mm -hmm. So there's something inside her already. That wants to eat a baby? <laughs> not necessarily, but definitely is not taking any shit and is yeah. definitely, I think, has accepted that road to being a witch that they keep shoving on her. You know what I mean? And it's, I get the feeling that somewhere inside of her, not only she accepted it, but she's like, okay, fine, fine. This is what you all expect me to do. I'm going to do it. And maybe it's like, I expect there to be a, a part two where she has done that. She's gone on to become this horrible crone. Who's now going to haunt the area and, slaughter as many people as she can and and you know you put me on this road now you're gonna reap uh, the benefits of that maybe i don't know though i i get the pretty strong sense that she dies at the end because just looking she at could. how messed up she was and that weird film over her eyes and she looked like she had cataracts you know like all of a sudden like i don't know what kind of illness or poisoning would cause something like that mm -hmm. but i don't know i thought she was a goner she definitely needs to go and see a real doctor about that, but I don't think that's going to happen. <clears throat> but at least she has that stunning and gorgeous view to look at as she's, well, going on to the next right, the next thing that we don't see. Yeah. Um, I loved at the very end, though, when she has clearly graduated past that life, either in death or the, the next stage of her own life, by the burning of her, her house. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at that stunning vista and all of a sudden the little shadow at the bottom which represents her house, just bursts into flames. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you could consider that also the ending of that terrible cycle, you know, of, right. you know, the mother having a child by rape and then having to raise it. And then, you know, that child gets raped and has to raise a child and so and so and so on. Well, that's done. And who knows how many children the mom ate before this happened? <laughs> or, or all kidding aside, had. And then lost. Right. We don't really know. How yeah. many times has she been raped? How yeah. many times, you know? And what about her mother before that? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It just endlessly goes in either direction. But at least for the moment, that cycle's been broken. So in a way, it's kind of a hopeful ending. Even if she's dying, the cycle's broken. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So there may not be hope for her, but there might be just a shredling of hope for everybody else. Maybe. Maybe, but now whoever was the second lowest rung on that ladder in that society is going to get the shit beat down. Yeah, and now Sep's over there going, oh shit. Oh, the witch <laughs> is dead. I'm next. Oh, man. oh, that's a shame. Well, anyway, I'm very, very glad that I got to show you this film. I There were a number was of, great. There was a number of films I was thinking about, and I was going to do a couple of older ones first, but then I thought... I don't know. I, I knew you had seen The Witch, mm -hmm. so I wondered if you were going to enjoy this and how you would compare the two and if you would pick up on the parallels between the two films. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. 
it makes me want to go back and watch The Witch again now to compare because I feel like I kind of liked this better, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So it's because I saw The Witch a couple of years ago. So it, it did not have Black Phillip, but it did have some nice goats. Yeah, I was looking actually um, to see what other things that director had done, and you had mentioned The Lighthouse, which I didn't like all that much, but then I just noticed... The new Nosferatu film that's coming oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah, is yeah. Him. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So I can't wait to see that. And between the <gasps> two of them, if you ask me, I think both of them seem to really like those twenties uh, German expressionist kind of films, the, the Murnau and and uh, Fritz Lang and that. I, I I noticed stylistically an awful lot of those. Even though they're different, they're not sort of like. And I've never seen things. any of those. I don't. You've think. never seen any of those? No. Oh, I just no. I just picked up Fritz Lang's M, on Criterion no. Blu-ray. Oh, that's the movie that made Peter Lorre an international superstar. Oh wow! Gotta see it. In okay. Fact, maybe maybe we'll do it. It's not yeah. really. It's not a forgotten film. Although I don't know, it's hard to say. I, a lot of people who know film know about M. Right. But your average Joe probably doesn't. So I don't know. It's debatable. But if we don't do it for this program, then we will definitely do it for Criterion Watch. And um, we'd love to have you on Criterion Watch, too. All right. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps up our uh, Season 2, Episode 1 of Forgotten Horror Classics. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. You think you might be interested in coming back for a few more? Oh, sure. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Um, I can't promise they'll all be this bleak or this new or whatever, <laughs> but um, they are. They tend to be some of the better films. Um, you know, we have all the programs for the stinky ones, and so it's nice to have something for. So it won't be like Die Hard Dracula. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no Wagner. Re- remember that one, huh? the flying coffin. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> Quite oh. a comparison between that movie and this yep. movie. Both yep. European films. Yes. Yes, all European films are not the same. No, 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 no. Okay, well, again, thank you very much, and please join us next time for another episode of Forgotten Horror Classics, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.